0: Well, hello everyone. Thanks so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure to have you with us. As always, we cover a lot of topics here at Exacoach Radio Show, and today we're going to talk about how to make your organization work more effectively and demystify some of the uh, questions around what is culture change. And my guest today is Angela Huntsman from Human Yen. She's a founder and lead consultant of that group. And uh, this group, Human Yen, is a training and development group that helps businesses better manage people problems that arise from poor performance and poor communication. They help individuals and teams build better relationships through simple and easy methods that repair the costly communication breakdowns at work. So, uh, Angela, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here.
0: It's a, my pleasure to have you, and uh, we're, we're going to start with um, a little getting to know you uh, session here, Angela, if that's okay. Can you share a little bit about your background and how you got into this line of work with us?
1: Absolutely, I'd love to. I've been doing this work for over 20 years, and I started out as a clinical psychologist that probably should have gone to be a business major. <laughs> it should have been a business major because Uh, you know, very early on I had clients that were running businesses and I very quickly got pulled into the business side and I retrained with a very experienced organizational psychologist and started working in large and small organizations, really understanding that, you know, organizations are really tightly knit communities. And uh, in our world these days, we don't often find a lot of community where we live. So we invest so much in the communities of our work. And I just Really clicked with the work, and that's where I've been ever since.
0: Well, that's great. It's great background. Um, the people issues are, I'd say, uh, a huge issue at work uh, and communications and and all of that. Um, and so, in your work, when you when you're looking for a client to work with, or they're looking for you, I would imagine. But what's an ideal client for you? What do you look
1: for? So, it, it's it can come from a lot of different places. Oh, you, it's really where some of the painful parts of the organization are starting to show. A lot of business owners will call me when performance has been flat and they might have tried you know lean processes uh, they might have tried you know upgrading software systems and they just don't know what levers to start working with. And so they tend to turn to me when they say, you know, either we've had a lot of turnover, we've been flat uh, on growth, we've missed some key uh, performance indicators, you know, those are shifting, or, you know, I'm not communicating well with my team. So it, it starts from just, I would almost call it a niggling doubt. And one of the things that people forget is that, the work that takes place in an organization is is nothing more than what the people are doing and saying, meaning it's all about people. And uh, And I talk about communication as the primary business strategy. I've seen companies that have gone, uh, hired, you know, expert consultants to re-engineer processes, to bring in the latest technology for whatever kind of business uh, performance uh, companies trying to achieve. And, and they find that when you don't align the people, when you don't engage the people, when you don't know how to communicate or motivate them, that all that good work can go down the drain. So there's a lot of investment that I think companies have made in processes and technology, but it's always about getting the people to make that come to life.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. Um... You know, when you walk into a, an organization, uh, sometimes you you notice what's wrong, but what are some of the signs that organizations are running well?
1: Ah, good question. So when I walk into an organization that's working well, it's, it's really what I call a gut feel. The first thing I feel is you, you can feel the crackle of the energy. People look at each other. They say hello to each other when they walk by. Uh, The the pace in the hallway when people are going from one place to another also tells a lot about an organization. Um, There's a sense of urgency and intensity. Not too much, uh, but uh, I look for that. The other place we look for is a a stable workforce that's hitting performance numbers. A lot of companies have a stable workforce, but they also have very stable performance. And stability in your workplace is great when you're meeting the numbers because that's a sign that people are engaged and want to stay. Where things run into troubles, where you have a very stable workforce that's somehow sort of on the decline and not hitting the numbers. That's where organizational efforts like uh, culture change and creating alignment dialogues and really opening up what's happening between people really can help understand what's driving some of those challenges. Also, people engaging in meetings, uh, how people engage in meetings, people's willingness to participate. Uh, The other area that's interesting is how well are corporate planned events attended? I find companies that are struggling with culture uh, try to For example, a summer picnic that very few people will attend or they'll notice that attendance is dropping over the past few years. That can also be a sign that people just aren't really engaged with each other or with the organization.
0: Well, all those things that you said kind of conjure up an image for me. When you walk into an organization and you can tell everybody's upbeat and moving quickly and it feels like the, there's energy in the building. And we've all been in situations, I think, where we walk in and it just feels, it feels flat. And um, when that correlates with their, their financial growth uh, and their business growth, then there's, there's some real issues uh, at hand. What do most organizations struggle with?
1: Well, it's interesting. A lot of organizations do struggle with what we see in the you know when we line up an org chart. Most organizations struggle with how to get the strategy from the top into mid management and down through into the individual contributors. The other challenge is uh, how do you get the needs of the and the ability of the individual contributors to see the details of your business. And where the problems really are and how to connect the two. Because when we look at what leaders want, leaders want to know where the issues are. Um, you know, a lot of organizations struggle also with the notion of problems are bad. I think, you know, when we dig up problems, I my joke is, you know, when we find a problem in a company as, as an employee, that's job security because that's a problem we need to solve. <laughs> Meaning right. businesses don't succeed because everything always goes right. Businesses succeed because people are relentless in finding what's not working and in making it work well. And in companies that are running well, this notion of a problem is goes something like this. you know, An individual goes to their boss and their manager and they say, hey, you know what, I just discovered that blah, 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 blah. And a lot of bosses might say, not the best answer here, I'm about to, you know, parlay is, what, we had a problem, how did you, you know, what happened, who did it, what, you know, and that's not the real way you want to respond to a problem like that. What The ideal way is, wow, okay, thank you for bringing this to my attention, let's pull together a meeting, let's find out more about this, let's figure out how big and broad this impact is, and let's get a team around it, let's figure out how we can solve this problem quickly. Because if you do the former and you go and you try to figure out who did it, whose fault was it, uh, that blame game, people will stop bringing problems. So this is one thing that organizations struggle with. And it doesn't take much because, you know, from, from childhood, you know, we avoid punishment and we look for places where we seek positive reinforcement. So when we have individuals in leadership supervisory management positions, and I think those are the most important ones. A lot of companies will also overlook the importance of giving leads and supervisors quality training so that as they enter into managing other people, they have some skills. And so there's a lot of traction lost at that level, also because these people have been promoted out of their peer group, so now they've been made a lead or a supervisor sometimes, and they're now managing people that they were buddies with on the same level. So that kind of professional training and communications and understanding the impact of words is really powerful. So digging up problems, how we react to when problems do come up is important because business owners are less afraid of problems and because they're when they're entrepreneurs – they know that when they started their business, it was all about handling one problem after another. It's their professional management sometimes below them that can be a little afraid of bringing problems to top management. And that's where you start getting that gap between the top, the middle, and that individual contributor end of the organization.
0: Well, that's that's uh, great insights. You know, you mentioned a couple of different things there. The first was getting your strategy to, uh, from top down to the middle management to implementation, and um, and communicating that properly. And then the back half, you, t- you were talking about dealing with the problems and and basically having a strategy to to uh, help uh, work on a solution immediately with what's at hand. It sounds like a lot of that requires some some new ways of approaching communication and training, and how can organizations maximize their effectiveness of that, of their training and communications?
1: Yeah, that's, you're a good listener. So that is important. Um, a lot of companies listening, a lot of business owners and, and folks working in organizations are listening to me going, yeah, well, you know, we do training and uh, we do organizational assessments and a lot of companies do do training i find that a lot of training fails in organizations i think there is a lot of money wasted in organizations for two reasons and these are the the kinds of things that i like to bring into organizations because there are two things that have to happen after an assessment takes place and after training takes place uh, or and how training takes place i'll start with training so companies do training, and they're like, great, we ticked the box. We've done communication training. We've done hopefully some problem solving, some management training for the managers. But what they end up not doing is really understanding that training has to start from the top down. So a lot of time, the t- people at the running the organization will say, you know what, let's just they need it. Let's let's give our individual contributors, our managers, the training. Well, then what happens is the managers and other parts of the organization will do the training, but top management doesn't know what was said in the training. They don't know how to reinforce it. And so what you do is you end up teaching a whole group of people in the organization, all these great things. And they look to their leaders because they say, Hey, you sent us to this training. This means you guys must really want us to be doing this. And then they wait and they wait for the reinforcement and they wait for the language to kind of match up what they learned in training. And when it doesn't, that's a big switch off. And I have a lot of clients that have come to me to say, yeah, you know, last year we spent, you know, $50,000, dollars 300000 on training. And you know what? We didn't get anything out of it, and our people don't even go anymore. And I can tell them why. Once they start telling me, I said, well, did top management go through it? Does top management ask about it? Does top management bring it up in meetings? It's very simple things. Top management doesn't need to be the training expert, but, for example, they need to engage. So that's a disconnect where training can be uh, divisive and actually turn employees off. The other area is around assessments. You know, organizational assessments are very powerful and very popular right now. What will happen, for example, in a lot of organizational cultural surveys, for example, they come in, you ask questions, At the end of the day, they'll pull the results together, and what they normally do is they'll say, you know what, we're going to give each team their feedback. Hey, team one, here's your feedback. Team two, here's your feedback. Well, team one might have had good feedback, and they're like, hey, we had good feedback. We don't have to do anything. Team two might be struggling with feedback. Well, they might not have gotten what they wanted out of, you know, they might say, oh, we got some problems to deal with. When you give each individual team their feedback, it really fractionizes the organization. The best way to look at organizational uh, surveys and the results is to have some statistical analyses where you look at what does the top think and what are the ratings across the top? What does the middle of the organization think about what work is? And what does the individual contributor level look at? Because again, that brings up that top, mid and bottom disconnect. When you go by teams, Teams can tend to circle the wagons and they say, hey, well, you know what? Our feedback was great, so we don't we don't have those problems. That's your problem. And that's exactly the opposite of what you want out of an organization. You want teams to be working together. So when you look at it layer to layer and you bring all the mid-managers, for example, together and you say, hey, you know, what? we have to figure out why our numbers are so different from our leaders and the people that we're managing, we got some conversations to have. And it's not about discussion. It is about dialogue, and there is a difference between the two.
0: It's great information. I'm, I'm taking notes. That's why the pause there. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> great, great information. So you say the top management is, is disengaged. So they didn't, they didn't participate, and they're not supporting the work that's being done. And then uh, how that information is disseminated amongst the different factions uh, is key. It sounds like. So could you uh, share but with can, us? You uh, know what? Uh,
1: let yep, me go yep. back and make one 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 addition because your words were correct, but the meaning that they put together might might throw our listeners off a little. So top management isn't disengaged. Top management is very engaged in strategy and in business, what it's going to take for business success. So they're looking ahead down the road as well, but they're also tracking KPIs, setting strategy. Where they tend to get disengaged is when a training comes into the company because they don't think that they need to engage in the training and and just even being aware of what some of the concepts are that the people. So it's that disengagement that that forces the rest of the organization to realize that, well, if top management doesn't care about training, why should we? that's where the disconnect is for the top.
0: Yes, that makes a lot of sense because you know, if they haven't experienced it, and that's what you're really talking about, if they didn't really experience it and they're now they're maybe there's a certain language that goes with the culture the program that you're the training program that you're working with and they're not speaking that language. It's, it I think what I heard you say is it's not showing up in uh after the training's over, it's it was like, "Here, you guys do this program, and uh, you figure it out, and then there's no reinforcement from the top. Is that right?
1: It, correct. Exactly correct. So sorry to stop you there, but I, it's, I, I don't want people to think that, uh, you know, everyone in the organization wants to engage, right? People show up to work. We spend more time at work than we do with our loved ones. And there is nothing more than people really want than to do meaningful work. Uh, there's a very small percentage of the population that doesn't. But most employees, when I go into an organization, I'll go in and I'll have business owners tell me like, oh, I have a very unmotivated group of employees. And I'll go in and I'll meet them and I'll say, you know what, they are not engaged, but they care and they want to care. And to revitalize that and bring about that natural human need for uh, productive work is, is a very powerful place to go.
0: Excellent, so uh, Angela, we have a few minutes left in, in that few minutes. Could you share a brief success story with us, a client you've worked with uh, and what you know what, what it was like before you came on the scene and and the improvements that you saw?
1: Sure, sure, sure. so I have a client that is um, i can't you know I give confidential, confidentiality to my clients, but I've got a company that's a nut processing company and they're so they're they're packaging food, so they've got a lot of lot of uh, FDA, health, and, you know, they've they've got a lot to worry about. They're not just, you know, making staples, right? So uh, this company, uh, the manufacturer, 1,200 people, and they really had a a hard time uh, adhering to the safety standards, and uh, the owners wanted safety to be job one. And so I went in, and I started at the top with the team, uh, the senior leadership team, and You know, they were like, well, safety is important. Safety is important. And then I started listening to the conversations that they were having with their people on on the floor, mid-managers and the individual contributors. And every time they talked to the mid-managers, all they asked was, what did we produce today? How much did we produce today? So we went back, we'd go on in these meetings, and we started, we started to help them realize, help them become, you know, sort of evolve into understanding, like, you know, we're not asking about safety, and we're not getting safety. I said, what are you getting? They're like, we're getting productivity, but we're not getting safety. So he said, you know, do you notice what you're, ta- how, what you're speaking about? So they – they realized it was so powerful because these guys opened their eyes and it was fun for them to get to this place because they were frustrated and they were wondering what's holding us back. When they realized that it was them holding the organization back at the top in some ways, everyone had a, you know, we had to go from the top to the mid to the uh, individual contributor, but it had to start at the top. And when they realized that they were part of the problem, they were excited because they're like, Hey, we can control us. This is great. So when they realized that they had to start changing their language, and ask about safety first and then productivity it, things started to switch around then what they did was they started uh, that that really was just like a, a fresh coat of paint on everything and and sort of the old you know the old stuff gets forgotten very quickly because people tend to be very in the moment and when you make people feel a certain way They'll hold on to that feeling. The brain remembers intensity, not duration. So I explained to my clients that change can happen very quickly with employees. Things don't have to take years. Things can take months, days, weeks, much shorter periods of time to create change. So ultimately what happened for them was, you know, they created groups of problem solvers at the individual contributor level because they realized as a management leadership team that their people at the individual level needed to be empowered so that they could bring the problems to mid and senior management. So they started presenting out to senior management, not just mid-management, because mid-management has too much to do. Mid-management is sort of a, a tough place to be caught. And I'll stop there. I think we're – I might have used up the last of my minutes. But that's an example where safety, they became world-class in safety. They had dropped their numbers to world-class levels in three years – excuse me, in one and a half years and maintained it up to five years later.
0: That is – that's a great story. It really illustrates the point. I've been talking with Dr. Angela Huntsman of Human Yen in Newport Beach, California. And you can find her website at Human Yen. H-U-M-A-N-Y-E-N like human and yen pretty easy uh angela and you're offering a uh a, a, a free one hour consultation for a, a listener to better understand where their business uh, people challenges where their challenges lay i should say angela huntsman thank you so much for joining me today it's been a real pleasure and i look forward to the next time that we get a chance to speak
1: my pleasure as well and a lovely day to you all
0: All right, thanks very much. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back after this, so please stay with us. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio.